Ulterior. So when I did the intro for last week's episode, I said that we would reconvene after the AFC and NFC Championship games and talk about the Super Bowl. And you know what, man? I don't really want to talk about it because it was the outcome that I dreaded the most. And that is Chiefs and Niners, a rematch from four years ago. And brother, who really gives a fuck? Outside of the fan bases for those two teams, what does it matter to somebody like myself, the general average consumer of football who was going for all of the underdogs in the playoffs? You know what, man? At the end of the day, I would much rather Niners win. I would love for Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey to get some rings finally. But, you know, whatever happens, happens. And there's always next season. There is always next season for the underdogs. There is always next season for Dan Campbell to not go for it on a fourth down, you fucking weirdo. But I digress. I digress. I digress. You're not here for sports. You're here for... Actually, I don't even know why you're here. You can go get your music news from somebody else, but you chose me for whatever reason. And for that, I appreciate you so, so fucking much. What do we got on this episode? We got brand new singles by the likes of Bad Omens and Poppy, North Lane, Alpha Wolf, a few others I don't want to mention, and then brand new records by Ghost Atlas and Charlotte Sands. Thank you so much. Thank you for tapping in. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Throw up a peace sign if you couldn't get sleep token tickets. I'm putting up a peace sign right now if any of you guys listening on streaming can't see it, in which case I would say uh, definitely go watch the videos uploaded on Instagram and YouTube and TikTok and wherever else. Uh, they're really cool, great content. Shout out, Alex. Anyways, Sleep Token recently announced the Teeth of God tour happening this upcoming spring, and there was a registration link for pre-sale and everything. People were getting really, really excited and amped to be able to get tickets to worship one of the hottest bands in the world today. And then as soon as pre-sale began, everything went to shit. Uh, some people were not getting the pre-sale codes that they registered for in the first place. Some people who never even signed up for pre-sale managed to get into the queue. Uh, said queue was within the range of like 15,000 people for some users. And once some people made it to the seating map to pick out their tickets, they learned one or two things, or even possibly both. Uh, one, these tickets were expensive as shit. And two, the tickets were sold out before they ever even had a chance to check out. Um, I'll go ahead and say this. On one hand, I think it is very cool to know that Sleep Token have gotten this big to where you have this kind of a demand for a ticket to go see them at the biggest venues they've ever played so far in the United States. That rules. But on the other hand, it, it just feels like almost everybody who is excited for this tour had the opportunity taken away from them to attend one of the concert dates for whatever reason. And that was to no fault of their own. And it's not even Sleep Token's fault for that matter. So... I would hope that no blame is directed at them by anybody. Um, AEG Presence, which is the company that is promoting the tour, they actually sent out emails to everybody who registered for pre-sale acknowledging the debacle and said that it was them who failed to provide a smooth experience for anybody going for pre-sale tickets. Um, they apologized for letting down both fans and the band, and truthfully, I do think that the email came across as sincere. Um, does that make up for the nightmare scenario that a lot of people had to endure? I think that's a question that can only be answered on a case-by-case -case basis for you guys. 
If you manage to actually get a ticket, then congratulations, and I hope you have an amazing time walking a sleep token. And if you didn't, and now your only option is to turn to the resale market, I'm really, really sorry that it's turned out this way. And now we segue into the brand new releases from last week, and the first one up, this broke scene Twitter in a way that I have rarely ever seen a single track do so, and that is the new collaborative effort from Bad Omens and Poppy, it is Van. Van or VAN or Violence Against Nature, whatever you want to call it, as long as you were also calling it one of the sickest collaborations that the scene has had in a minute. And it was done drastically different than how anybody would have expected it because I think that as the teasers for the song were starting to be released, we all expected a traditional feature spot for Poppy where, you know, maybe she came in on like the second verse and then had some dueling vocals with Noah throughout the track, that sort of stuff. But instead of any of that happening, Poppy has the vocal duties all to herself on Van. We don't actually hear Noah sing once on this single, which did provide Twitter with some discourse about whether this should be a Bad Omens song featuring Poppy or a Poppy song featuring Bad Omens. Um, personally, I think that because Noah produced this song and had a big hand in putting it together, this is absolutely a Bad Omens song, and I'm also tempted to call it one of my favorite in their discography because of the chances that it takes and the way that the instrumentation and production so easily, like, wrapped itself around Poppy's voice, like, that is perfect for this kind of song from the band. And Van is going to be part of Concrete Forever, which is a deluxe edition of The Death of Peace of Mind that is going to have some remixes and acoustic renditions and collaborations like this on Poppy. And I'm totally okay with Bad Omens putting this deluxe edition out before a new record because the Death of Peace of Mind era has been so special and significant to not only Bad Omens, but the whole scene. And I, I think it deserves to have this grand of a send-off, in my opinion, at least. I love Poppy, I love Bad Omens, and I love Van. The home team done did it again. New banger. This one is Brag. Man, how can you not vibe with this? How can you not listen to the home team and feel so much exuberance and excitement to your core? Because the tones that the home team have mastered by this point just provide the scene with some of the most cheerful and vibrant moments in any song today. You can just tell from those faint guitar notes at the start that this song is going to bring the energy the same way that every other home team track does. And then the progression that you get from the wall of sound to the scaled back verses that make way for Brian Butcher to show off his range that is amongst the greatest out of every vocalist going currently, all of these elements blossom into the highest degree possible in the chorus and then you have this insanely catchy piece of music that is just so hard to sit still with. Like, try listening without nodding your head or, you know, moving your shoulders or any other type of body movement because it's not gonna happen, bro. In moments like this, it feels like this is the home team's game, and we're all just players in it, and I am more than happy to do my role. 
I mentioned Bad Omens and Poppy earlier as a very cool collaboration. How about a strange one? How about Alpha Wolf times Ice-T? How about their new song, Sucks to Suck? When Alpha Wolf dropped the picture of themselves with Ice-T to announce this collaboration, I, I looked at it and I was just like, hell yeah, brother, fuck yes. This looked so jarring initially, but it didn't take long at all for the reality to settle in and for the excitement to start building because Alpha Wolf and Ice-T is the exact kind of odd and quirky pairing that I always want to see in scene music. Um, suck is suck. It hits with every bit of aggression that Alpha Wolf brings within them, and it's the kind of song that really shows everybody just how new metalcore is meant to be executed. It's got a lot of grit to it, and to me, that is when Alpha Wolf are at their best. And then Ice-T comes in later on, and his feature spot is basically there just to get the crowd ready for the breakdown by calling everybody a bunch of weak-ass motherfuckers. A and listen, man. If I'm at an Alpha Wolf show, and this song plays, and I hear Ice-T call me a pussy before the breakdown, it's on sight. Shit would go down, and I would have a fucking blast, because that's the kind of atmosphere that the song sets for itself, and when the song dropped, we did get confirmation of the next Alpha Wolf album. It is called Half Living Things. It drops April 5th, and I did see some complaints out there online about the album artwork. Man, if you don't fuck with this artwork, you don't know Ball. This shit is so tough, and I, I think it screams new metal the exact way that I would want an Alpha Wolf art to do so. Everything is clicking for this band right now, and you just love to see it because they are some of the hardest working guys in the scene. Bill Murray is here in all of his weird glory. It is his new track, Better Hell, Thick Boy. So when they Some of you guys know about Bill Murray by this point, you get the drill, and if you don't, then what you should know, at least from my standpoint, is that Bill Murray is somebody who is very much so as weird as he presents himself as, but if you ask me, I think that there is a certain level of charm that comes with that very strange and, for lack of a better way of phrasing it, and this is a terrible way to phrase it, scaring the hoes behavior, I think Bill Murray personifies that, but it, again, it's part of the charm, it's part of what makes him who he is, it's part of what makes a song like Better Hell, Thick Boy as good and catchy and rhythmic as it is. Um, and I've always thought that about Bill Murray. I've always thought that even though this dude is very much so a strange one, he is also an immensely talented one. And there's a lot of goodwill to be made off of Better Hell. And whatever it is that Bill Murray will be doing this year, I will be locked in. And I don't have any reservations about that whatsoever. The final single for the episode that I want to go into detail on comes from Northlane. It is Miasma.
This is the latest single off of what we now know as the EP Mirror's Edge, releasing on April 12th. This follows up Dante, which I remember saying was a song that I personally enjoyed, but I didn't know exactly how it would fare with the rest of North Lane's fanbase. Uh, Miasma is rooted in much more familiar territory sonically with the gent rhythms that align with what we heard on Alien and Obsidian, and the strengths that the song plays to, it makes it a successful outing for Northlane in my opinion. Um, you throw on the future spot from Winston of Parkway Drive, who fits in with the exact vibe and tone that Miasma is going for, and I think this was the perfect way for Northlane to move forward to Mirror's Edge releasing, and I hope that becomes an additional layer to the phenomenal library that Northlane have been building for years now with Marcus at the helm. This song, you know, I would say that it's right there with some of my favorite Northlane songs in the past couple years. And to have the chance to be able to talk about a new Northlane release on this show, it's always exciting. It's always invigorating. And Northlane is the kind of band who I always want to see succeed in every possible facet that they can. These were the remaining singles from last week that I gave either a 4 or a 5 to in the reviews on social media. Dig My Own Grave by After Dusk. Knife by Bad Wolves. Castaway by Bayside, Things That Look Like Mistakes by Bears and Trees, Apoptosis by Being of Entropy, Nightmare by Chastity, Kill Without the K by Cult featuring Tilly, Memories by Dreamwake, Figure Dreaming by Early Eyes, Lights Out by Floya, Attrition More to This by Love Like Enemies, Deja Vu by Moment of Madness, Laughter on Death Row by Morning in May, Dissolve by Out of Vision, and Witch Hunt by Renaissance. Quantity-wise, not a, a super stacked week, but the quality was absolutely there. I thought every single here delivered in some fashion, and like I always say, man, you love to see it. You love to see great bands doing what they do. You love to see the up-and-comers on the rise, and you just love to see Hooper's Hoop, and that's kind of where I'm going with the records as well, because these two records, they really did a lot to leave an amazing impression on me. I had a lot of high hopes for them. I was really excited to get to hear these two albums, and and they did not let me down whatsoever. And the first one up I want to talk about is by Ghost Atlas. It is Dust of the Human Shape. I've said this a couple times before on this show already, but I'll reiterate it now because there is an even bigger spotlight on Ghost Atlas this time around. For anybody who may not know, Ghost Atlas is the solo project of Jesse Cash, who is the guitarist and clean vocalist for ERA. Um, if you're familiar with ERA, then you're also familiar with the talents of Jesse, and you understand just how good this guy truly is at everything he pursues within ERA. And as the driving force behind Ghost Atlas, we get an even closer glimpse into his creative flow and energy, because aside from his voice... There really aren't many connective threads between Era and Ghost Atlas. Dust of the Human Shape gave Jesse the free space and canvas to really let everybody know what it is that intrigues him outside of the metalcore boundaries that Era exists in. Um, if I had to summarize the sound of this album, I would say that it's derived mostly from like 90s alternative rock with hints of the genre's evolution from then until now. I look at a song like Lesser Gods as a great example of that because 
It carries a lot of innate elements to alternative music, but some of its progression also reminds me of what a band like, you know, Seosin did in the mid-2000s or uh, Yumi at Six in the early part of the 2010s. Just stuff like that is what I can hear in Ghost Atlas, but at the same time, the tone of Jesse's voice makes it to where I feel like I've never heard anybody deliver this kind of music in this exact manner, and that makes it so interesting to hear. I think you have other songs like uh, Void Voyeur and Riding the Blind Side that also do an immaculate job at setting the pace for that alternative rock-driven sound, but then you get a song like Seeker Strikes Night that has almost like a pop wave to it with the piano leads throughout it. Um, Ghost in the Armoire is a song that I've spoken about before on this show, and it remains remains a standout on the full album because of just how fluid the acoustic guitar sounds and how the rest of the instrumentation sounds like it's kind of dancing along to Jesse's voice in a way. Um, you get a few songs like Tomato Red and the title track that really slow down the pace, but without slowing the momentum, and I commend Jesse for that because I, I think that's a shortcoming that artists can sometimes run into when, you know, trying to mix together fast-paced and energetic songs with slower songs like these two. If anything, like, they're incredibly beautiful, and they add to the overall tone of the album's chill factor. And there's a part of me that wants to lump the closing song, Death Confetti, into that same category, but I feel like there is a certain atmosphere that is set by the pounding drums on it that makes it feel a bit more thunderous in tone than the other slower songs on here, and that makes it stand out as the closer in this triumphant way. And after hearing this album in full for the first time a few days ago, I felt like I had discovered this completely new side to Jesse that you can sense is there when listening to Era because this guy has undeniable charisma and talent, but it isn't until you hear Dust of the Human Shape that you can come to truly appreciate the plethora of talent and abilities that Jesse really has within him, because this album doesn't establish Ghost Atlas as just a side project. To me, this is as much a part of Jesse's identity as Era is now. I hold a lot of these tracks as close to my heart as my favorite Era songs, and the commonality is that Jesse is part of this. Jesse is the one who makes these songs what they are. He brings them to life. He makes them feel special and as big time as they do because that is the exact kind of musician that he is. Special and big time. And now the second and final album of the episode. It is the debut LP by Charlotte Sands, Can We Start Over? Any chance that I get to mention Charlotte on this show is a treat to myself because I really believe in what she does. I've made sure to champion and highlight her material, not just because I think the quality is consistent, but also I think Charlotte on social media has a really, like, infectious personality in the sense that she is very obviously passionate about what she does and I think that excitement resonates with her audience. It's so hard to not root for her and want her to succeed in every facet and I, I think that's a big part of what made Dress feel so special when that song was popping off and doing numbers because it felt like we got to see somebody so deserving of that acclaim achieve it. Um, the rollout for Can We Start Over was amongst the best that I've seen in the last few months because you had a song like Use Me, which really embraced the emotional side of Charlotte and the instrumentation that supported her. It, it felt like the lyricism there was just as somber while still channeling 
this big arena-ready energy. And then from there, you get to Pity, which was very upbeat and energetic in its sound, while Charlotte delivered lyrics that related to the themes of self-doubt and, you know, like wishing that you could be in someone else's position. And I think she's never shied away from personal themes. And again, I think that has only helped establish a true connection that her fans have to her. And it's definitely a beautiful connection at that. Like, I believe that Charlotte had actually been calling some fans who, like, pre-ordered this album, and then she was doing some video calls with them in the lead-up to the album's release last week. It's the kind of connection that it doesn't feel fabricated or forced. I fully believe 100% that Charlotte loves her fans the way that they love her, and it's hard to not feel happy for somebody like that when they're succeeding the way that she is. And that passion for her audience absolutely translates to her passion for songwriting and putting together records like this because this woman only knows how to write some of the catchiest songs that you can listen to right now. Songs like Get Over It and Spite existing on the same album and Back to Back no less. It feels like such a cheat code. I also really enjoy how easily the album can transition from having something in its runtime like Teeth, which embraces a full-on rock chorus to a song like Blind Spot, which has this cadence to it that reminds me of like kind of modern country that fuses itself with pop music, if that makes any sense. It's a really colorful palette of ideas and concepts that I think might have been daring for any artist to try tackling on their debut full length, but Charlotte did so as gracefully as I have ever heard anybody do so before. Every song utilizes her vocal range to perfection, and what I really mean by that is that on just about every song, we get to hear Charlotte in a quiet tone, and then that eventually progresses to her raising her voice and embodying energetic pop rock. This album was a showcase for her abilities, and I think for every pre-existing fan, this is exactly what they were hoping for out of her debut, and for any new fan, they got to do what a lot of us already did before and feel the absolute euphoria that comes with listening to Charlotte Sands for the very first time. She absolutely nailed everything that she set out to achieve with Can We Start Over, and as somebody who has been singing her praises for years now... I not only feel validated in that support, but I also feel proud to see the confident and conquering musician that she has become. And that's it. That was every album and single from this past week for me to review. And like I said earlier, the quantity might not have been there, but the quality absolutely was I genuinely loved everything that I heard this week. I love being able to sit here and talk to you guys about it. I love when scene bands are doing the damn thing and from Bad Omens and Poppy to the home team to North Lane to Alpha Wolf to Charlotte Sands to Ghost Atlas, everybody is doing the damn thing and you love to fucking see it, bro. Um... Like I said before, I'm going to start closing out every episode, just plugging my socials in case any of you guys, you're not tapped into that stuff. So go ahead and follow Alterior. It is A-L-T-E-R-I-I-O-R on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, anywhere that this platform exists, that is where you can find it at. Um, in the link tree that should be on all of the socials for Alterior, there's a link to the Spotify playlist, so that's where you can follow along with what I've been listening to and what makes it into Scenic Overlook and then all the other stuff. Um, if you want to follow my personals for whatever reason, it is at Artisan Carlos, two eyes in Artisan on Instagram and Twitter. And yeah, man, just 
you know, keep supporting the kid, keep doing what you do, and I, in turn, will keep doing whatever it is that I do. Thank you for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And as always, for the love of the game, let's make a scene.